trigger warning. This podcast is about grief. Whether you are newly bereaved or whether you have been stuck in grief for years, I do hope this podcast brings you some comfort. Grief is such a universal experience, but we all do it differently. This podcast is not about fixing you or forcing the healing process because there is no cure for grief. It can only be absorbed, experienced, loved and cared for. So whether you're doing it privately behind closed doors or like me, you are kicking and screaming your way through, let's support each other. This is a safe space where we can come together and share experiences. My hope is that this podcast shines a light on your path and gives you the strength to navigate your way through the grieving process. My name is Louise Bates and I'm so pleased we connected. I'm looking forward to interviewing people who have also walked this path to find out what worked for them in the hope that it helps you too. I'm sending you so much love and support and I look forward to sharing this crazy journey with you. Welcome to episode one of my podcast, A Gift for Grief. This episode is all about my story. It's my experience of grief after losing my son, Matthew. Matthew's death has taken me on a very personal journey and I now have a passion to help others. I've travelled through the darkest depths of my soul and survived the worst period of my life and my experience has taught me many lessons which I would like to share with others. Grief is unique to each person and your grief will be very different to my grief but what we do share are the same emotions and sensations. They come and go at different times and different intensities but we connect to each other through our shared grief experience. As you listen to this podcast, hold that knowledge in your heart to remind you that you are never alone. So my story starts when my life was perfect. Being happily married, our daughter had already moved out and our son Matthew was about to move out and I was looking forward to this new stage in my life where it would just be me and my husband Bill at home. We could have romantic meals together without being disturbed, the house would stay tidy and I was really looking forward to this new phase in my life. Well you know when you think things are going really well, you then think, Something's going to come along and spoil it. I was living in the joy and bliss of my perfect life, but I felt a sense of foreboding. I knew something big was coming. I could feel it. Now, we all knew Matthew was ill. He'd been to the doctors five times in six months, but they didn't seem to be concerned. But as a mum, you know, you know when something's not right. And it was only when I intervened and went into the doctors with him, which he was very embarrassed about as a 24-year-old man. And I said, look, something's wrong. We're worried. And that's when they really started to take him seriously. He was now at the stage where he was losing weight. A routine blood test showed that something was wrong and he was admitted into hospital. After many scans and tests, they told Matthew they'd found a large mass in his right kidney, which they believed was cancer. 
If it was contained within the kidney, they could remove his kidney and he would be classed as cured. So he had surgery to remove his kidney and a few weeks later we returned for his follow-up appointment to be told devastating news. The histology confirmed that he had type 2 papillary renal cell carcinoma which is a fancy long word for a very aggressive and very rare form of kidney cancer. It had already spread into his lymph nodes and he was diagnosed stage 4. We were told that chemotherapy and radiotherapy do not work for this type of cancer. What followed this diagnosis was two years of worry, stress, anxiety, medical procedures and scans. And we learned new words like scansiety. Now I work as a complementary therapist and I'm naturally interested in health and well-being. How did I not know my own son was dreadfully ill? He was still playing football, golf, cricket. He was cycling. We knew he was poorly, but not cancer. How did we not know he had a 13 centimetre tumour in his kidney? We looked at clinics in Germany where they had a lot of success at healing cancer and also a clinic in Latvia which offered him a treatment which is not available in this country. But we needed to win the lottery to pay for all this. And so we looked at what was available, and I became a mum on a mission. I looked at all the alternative and natural protocols out there. I searched for people who had cured themselves of cancer to find out what they did. I connected with some incredible people, stage four terminal cases who were not only surviving but thriving and others that had cured themselves. I had to put it on Matthew's radar that this was possible. We spent thousands of pounds on genetic testing, health supplements, nutritional therapist, juicing machines, organic veg boxes, an infrared sauna. We threw everything at this disease and I even sourced illegal cannabis oil. Unfortunately, we couldn't stop the cancer and we saw Matthew slowly disappear over a two-year period. Two months before Matthew died, he woke up and said one day, Mum, my legs don't work and I can't pee. So he phoned the hotline up for advice and they recognised the signs of spinal cord compression and within five minutes we had an ambulance outside our house. He was rushed into hospital where a scan later showed a tumour was growing on his spine. He was told he would need surgery to remove the tumour and as with any medical procedure, they tell you all the things that could possibly go wrong and you think, yeah, but that never happens. They have to tell you that. Unfortunately, the surgery left Matthew practically paralysed and with an unusual infection which they were finding hard to treat and he went downhill very quickly near the end. I remember the medical staff explaining that in order for Matthew to come home, we would need a hospital bed, a hoist, a commode and a wheelchair. This was the point I realised I couldn't save him. I remember driving home from the hospital that night. 
probably far too fast. I was banging on the steering wheel and screaming at the top of my voice. I was so angry and frustrated and I knew at this point he needed a miracle. This is when I started to grieve for my son. This is what they call anticipatory grief. Five days before he died, he was moved into the hospice and even though I knew his death was imminent, nothing could have prepared me for the grief I felt when he died. It's impossible to understand just how brutal grief can be until it's your turn to sit on the front pew at the funeral. Now, I have a healthy belief system about death. I have had quite a few experiences in my life that make it really easy for me to believe that there is an afterlife. And I know that Matthew is in a good place. Even though I comfort myself with this knowledge, it didn't protect me from the grief I felt when he died. Bill went straight back to work. He kept himself busy. He needed distractions and that was his strategy and it worked for a while. Now my business had become dormant and I wasn't in a hurry to get back to work. My close friends and family were also grieving and I felt I had no one to talk to so I started journaling. I started documenting my thoughts and my feelings and I found it really helpful in clearing my head. I wrote my journal in the form of letters to Matthew and it gave me a lot of comfort and it helped me to process my experience. After a few months of journaling, I had the most beautiful experience. I was peeling vegetables at the kitchen sink and thinking about how the letters were helping me when suddenly I felt surrounded by the energy of Matthew. It was like he was there with me in that moment and he was giving me a virtual hug and saying, Mum, I'm getting your letters and I'm okay. I still get tingly today when I think about it. Then I got an image of a book in my mind's eye, which said, Letters to Matthew, Life After Loss, by Louise Bates. And I thought, hang on a minute, Matt, what's this? I'm not a writer. But it was like he was saying, Mum, you need to write a book. It was such an incredible experience. This was the start of my ongoing healing journey. And since then, I've written two books. I now have a passion to help others going through grief. And this podcast will hopefully reach more people. I'm really looking forward to talking to other people who have lost a loved one and finding out about their stories. Even though we share the same emotions, our experience, our journeys will be different. I want to know what helps other people. I need to understand why some people bounce back quickly while others are broken for years. I want to break down the barriers that prevent us from discussing our emotions and embrace our vulnerability as a means of connecting with one another. It's time to prioritise mental health and well-being by normalising conversations about grief and loss. And I would love you to come along for the journey too. Let's do this together. Thank you for listening to my story.
Thank you for listening to this episode of A Gift for Grief. Please feel free to share it with your friends and family and let's encourage others to become more grief literate. If you're struggling with your grief or worried about your mental health, please do speak to your doctor. If you would like to join me on my social media groups, check out the show notes for all the links and I look forward to connecting with you next time. The music on this podcast was written and recorded by Matthew Bates and can be found on his two albums, Fight Back and Kaleidoscope.